G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. Friends, we want you to learn God's Word, apply it practically to your life. Not only will you live a better life, you will also be future ready. So we are dealing with the very, very tragic but scripturally fulfilling act of the betrayal of Jesus. And in this particular lesson, it's called The Traitor Revealed Yet Concealed. What on earth is that? Well, the identity of the traitor, Judas Iscariot, is being made known by Jesus himself to his followers. And yet, for some reason, they just didn't get it. They were blinded. Now, it's not just only in the issue of the traitorous behavior of Judas Iscariot. It's in several things where the disciples just didn't understand. But the time came when the understanding arrived. And the time came for them to serve God to the ends of the earth. It all apparently began when they were born again. And when they were born again, or how it all happened, we can't say for sure. Scripture doesn't tell us of an exact time, but I would say when the day of Pentecost had arrived, the 11 surviving apostles of Jesus were truly born again and ready to receive the gift and fullness of the Spirit from above. So our lesson is called The Traitor, Revealed Yet Concealed, And we will be studying and doing a verse-by-verse commentary from John chapter 13, verses 21 to 30. Let me read a couple of verses from this, this portion here. And verse 25, He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Well, it couldn't have been clearer, could it? I'm now going to hand over a piece of soaken bread, and to whom I hand it, he is the traitor. I mean, Jesus knew the traitor before Judas even committed the traitorous deeds. That's how insightful he was. He had an ability, an x-ray vision, as it were, to tell what was in the hearts of people. But you know what? We have that same ability bestowed to us courtesy of the Holy Spirit. When you are truly Spirit-filled, 
you will have, shall we say, the touch of the supernatural anointing on your life. You will have discernment. You will be able to have words of wisdom and words of knowledge and and other things, gifts of the Spirit, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, of course, there's even more. Jesus freely gives us all things. And usually what Jesus gives us is not just wonderful, but priceless. No amount of money can purchase the wonderful things that he gives. So, of course, when Jesus speaks that he will be betrayed by one of his own followers, by someone who should be totally sold out and devoted to him, but for filthy lucre, for money, he decides to hand the Lord of glory to his enemies. It is a despicable act, to say the least. Jesus knew about it ahead of time, spoke and predicted it in front of his disciples, and then he even identifies the traitor. So the betrayal is revealed, the traitor is revealed, but the disciples of Jesus stay bemused, like they just didn't understand. We will mention the disciple whom Jesus loved. We believe this is another description of John, the beloved disciple, the author of the fourth gospel. He doesn't refer to himself by name, but simply by his relationship with Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So the traitor will be revealed. We're then going to hear a very disturbing thing, how Satan enters into him, and we'll talk about that. And everyone is clueless, but we have to remember that Judas had the treasury bag. And that was probably the major motivation for him to do his evil deed. Let us read the entire portion now of John chapter 13, verses 21 to 30. Our lesson is called The Traitor, Revealed Yet Concealed. The reference, John 13, 21 to 30. This is the word of the Lord. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, Who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For of some them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Our reading is from John 13, verses 21 to 30. And our lesson is called, The Traitor Revealed Yet Concealed. All right, well, here we go in this unsavory but prophetic event. John thirteen twenty one, The betrayal of Jesus revealed. Now Jesus 
had demonstrated his love to his disciples by washing of their feet while uttering the words of life. Now we come to the big moment. Jesus is announcing that not only would he be betrayed, but that the traitor would come from near, one of his own disciples. Needless to say, this was a shocking announcement. It is preceded by the words that Jesus was troubled in spirit. Yes, Jesus is knowledgeable and confident, yet he clearly has his human side. The betrayal by Judas, someone that Jesus loved, someone with whom he shared and cared for, they did life together, was now going to forsake him and become the tool of the devil himself. It is mind-boggling, but it's not without comparison. We read in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, that after there's a thousand-year reign of Christ, in a reign that is characterized by universal peace, universal righteousness, there's no corruption, there's no royal commissions, there's no investigations, there's no scandal, there's no war, there's no genocide, There's none of the things that plague us in this world today. It is the perfect rule from the perfect man. Yet, Satan will be released after being confined for a thousand years in the bottomless pit, and he will go forth, deceive the nations, and raise up an army to attack the holy city as well as the Lord of glory. They will, of course, utterly fail. But what's so puzzling is why would people, having lived under the righteous reign of the righteous king, want to forsake him and follow the devil? If you can answer that question, you'll be very well off. Judas Iscariot himself did precisely that. After experiencing so much from Jesus, he decided to throw it all away for a few silver coins. So Jesus would be betrayed by his own disciple. He was troubled in spirit, as we've already said. Having loved ones depart from the fold is bad enough. But having that same loved one become an enemy and a traitor is an indescribable, horrible experience of rejection, betrayal, being forsaken. Now, if you've ever been betrayed by a friend, you are in the best of company. It happened to the Lord of glory. In fact, if you've lived long enough with God, It happens to all of us. Nothing like what Judas did in most cases, but it it still stings. John chapter 13, 22, the bemused disciples. This announcement of Jesus of the coming betrayal and traitor caused consternation and great questioning among the other disciples of Jesus. Apparently, they did not have a clue who was this treacherous person that was going to hand over the Lord of glory to his enemies. So it relied on the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was right next to Jesus at the Last Supper, to ask the question. Let me review that the Last Supper happened not at a trestle table, like the Last Supper of da Vinci painting during the Renaissance time. It happened at a horseshoe-shaped triclinium that was barely higher than the floor itself, and where they didn't sit on chairs, but they reclined on pillows, one arm holding them up in an elbow-shaped formation, and the other 
arm or hand was free to take the food. So it's very possible that the beloved disciple, who was John, was in front of Jesus, and that when he wanted to ask the question of who is the betrayer, he would simply lean back and touch Jesus on the chest. So let me describe it again. In the midst of betrayal, there is a light note. There is an anonymous disciple who Jesus loved, and apparently he loved the Lord in return. Not just a light note, it's actually a bright note. This phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is used four times in John's Gospel. First time it is mentioned is at the upper room, where the Last Supper was held. Next time was at Calvary, when Jesus hung on the cross. That's John nineteen twenty six. The third time is at Christ's now empty tomb in John 20, verse 2. And the final mention of the disciple whom Jesus loved is at the Sea of Galilee after Jesus rose from the dead in John 21, verse 20. That disciple, as I've said already, is the beloved one, John himself. He's not just one of the twelve apostles. He's actually one of the three namely Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Like the Master, he takes the modest and humble road. John was literally hid by the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus for John could be demonstrated by his proximity to the Lord during this Last Supper. He was leaning on Jesus' chest at the triclinium, something that would not be hard to do. Then in verse 24, John 13, Peter beckon. Wanting further information, Peter beckons to John to find out from Jesus who the traitor will be. This was John's response in verse 25. He got the hint and complied. He asked Jesus, Lord, who is it? And in John 13:26, Jesus actually reveals the traitor. It gives a sign. The traitor is the one who I give the sop, the piece of bread dipped in wine. No sooner had he uttered these words than he dips the bread and hands the soggy piece to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. By now it should have been obvious about the identity of the traitor. But though he was revealed, his identity continues to be concealed. It has been said that handing the sop was similar to making a toast at a meal. It was meant to be a gesture of honor. Now, if that really was the case, how ironic that the Son of God would honor his traitor just as he is about to do his devilish deed. And then Satan enters the scene. In John 13, 27, after taking the sop, John makes the statement that Satan entered into Judas. The traitor had passed the point of no return. Instead of yielding himself fully to Christ as he should have done, and wisdom decrees, he withdraws from Christ and gives himself over to greed and treachery. And now Satan took him as one of his own servants. Jesus tells Judas, what you do, do it quickly. The hour has come, so don't delay. Let's get this thing out of the way. And then the cluelessness in John thirteen twenty-eight. 
Despite what should have been a clear sign and revelation about the identity of the traitor, the other disciples did not understand what Jesus meant when he told Judas to go and act quickly. Perhaps this was the mercy of God to conceal Judas at this time. The Last Supper was already ruined because of the announcement, and then saying this is Judas, well, knowing Peter and his impetuousness, it could have ended up in fisticuffs. Remember, they were not the least bit aware that Judas was a traitor in the making. He basically played his role as a disciple of Jesus very well. But Judas had the bag. John thirteen, twenty nine, Judas was the treasurer of the Jesus group. He carried the money bag, because after all, there were no banks or ATMs at that time. So the disciples thought, as treasurer, Jesus was telling Judas to go buy some items for Passover, or he could have been encouraging Judas to give to the poor. Though understandable, both perceptions were dead wrong. Judas had been bidden to quickly do the dastardly deed he was about to perform, the betrayal of Jesus into the hands of sinners. And it was night. This is our final verse, John thirteen thirty. Judas took the sop and left the room immediately, and it was night. The darkness was more than the mere setting of the sun. The darkness meant that the hour of trial for Jesus had begun. It was an hour of intense demonic activity, as the forces of darkness and their human instruments, the enemies of Christ, gathered together to destroy him. At the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of the betrayal, Jesus made this comment about his enemies in Luke twenty-two, fifty-three. But this is your hour, and the power of darkness. Yes, it's the hour of power, but not of light, of darkness. Basically, the passion of Christ lasted maybe 18 hours altogether, but Jesus got no sleep during that time, was put through the most horrific circumstances you could imagine. Betrayal, arrest, forsaken of the apostles, sham, hearing by the Sanhedrin, having to put up with a crown of thorns, buffeted with, uh, as it were, a club on his head, and even having fists sunken into his back, spat upon, rejected, vilified, lied about, and then carrying a rugged cross, or at least the cross beam, he had to endure six hours of excruciating pain and public humiliation before he finally gave up the ghost. It's something he did for our sakes and our salvation. Now our lesson is called The Traitor, Revealed Yet Concealed. And our lesson for life is this. Never forget that when the night is darkest, the sun is soon to rise and shine. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.